Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network. Featuring Starship Sofa and Tales to Terrify, everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 92, I am your host, Nicola seaton Clark, and this week we'll be visiting two fantastic places, one on the virtual plane, and the other even more far-flung and outlandish, starting with Junk Silver by Michael Canfield. Michael writes about monsters, superheroes, couples, bank robbers, babies, astronauts, paranoids, background artists, obsessives, and other people. He has published Mystery, fantasy, science fiction, horror, and just plain odd stories in the magazines Strange Horizons, Escape Pod, Realms of Fantasy, and others. Junk Silver originally appeared on the website Daily Science Fiction and is read for you by Kenny Park. Kenny is a video editor by trade, but having trained and worked as an actor, director, and writer, he maintains it's all just storytelling. He's been involved with the District of Wonders since the early days of Tony and Kieran, filming their interview with the legendary Michael Moorcock in Paris, and he still does narrations and wee video intros when Tony can pin him down. He can be found online via the link in the show notes for this episode. And now, Junk Silver by Michael Canfield. I'll be ignored, Tick, who exclaimed, Ha! After stabbing another Wikipedia article in his usual overly enthusiastic way, I'll be then watched Tick push the article off the sharp end of his poker into the bag. Tick wiped his hand and his leg as he did every time he cleared his poker of trash. Albie had gotten himself knee-deep in MySpace pages, which had started to seep through his garments and cling to his skin, so he didn't care what Tick chose to vociferate about. Junk silver, said Tick, unswayed by Albie's lack of response. That one was about junk silver. Know what that is? Albie didn't, and he didn't care. He knew Tick would tell him anyway. Silver coins which are in fair condition but don't have any collectible value, said Tick, almost certainly quoting or paraphrasing the very Wikipedia article he had just shoved in his trash sack. 
I don't know why you bother to read any of this shit, said Albie. Tick shrugged. Your head, fill it with any garbage you want, said Albie. Junk silver isn't necessarily scrap silver. What? Just means the coins aren't quite unique enough to interest collectors. Albie rolled his eyes, realising Tick was still blathering on about the trashed article. Now here's something, cried Tick. Albie looked over in spite of himself. Hmm, now Tick did have something interesting. What is that? That's the point of the tattoo needle that did the work on Angelina Jolie's left shoulder blade. Oh yeah? Recognise it? Yeah. Tick stuffed the needle's point into his trash sack. Albie put his hand down the front of his garment and scratched vigorously. Lousy MySpace crud. Lousy comes from the word louse. A single lice, said Tick. Quit reading me damn Wikipedia articles. That's from Wiktionary, Tick said sheepishly. Sheepishly, from the animal called sheep, obviously. Albie threw down his poker and unslung his trash bag. What's happening? asked Tick. Albie climbed out of the MySpace bog and sat down in a mound of eBay storefronts. He pulled his footwear off and dumped it out. He left his lowest extremities uncovered for a few moments, just cooling in the air. You shouldn't spend so long in those social media swamps, said Tick. I know that. You don't have to tell me. Well, if you know that, look, gotta be done, all right? But not all at once. I like to take my time, live a little. You call this living? Did morons come any more moron-like than Tick? My heart is beating, said Tick. My circulatory system is circulating. Brother, that's living. You're an idiot. Maybe, but I don't hate myself. I don't hate myself, Albie started to say, but decided not to, because it wasn't true. He sighed, pulled his footwear back on. Why don't you relax a while longer, said Tick. Can't, said Albie. The civilization's not going to trash itself. Tick looked up the horizon. Up both horizons. You could say it already did. They both chuckled. You have a point, Tick. Maybe I'm not such an idiot after all. I shouldn't have said that. Don't worry. My space, you know. Forget it. Thanks, Tick. Albie stood up and started trashing the eBay storefronts. The planet was about three quarters gone and resembled the crescent moon as popularly depicted in its many extinct cultures. We'll be done here in a few weeks, he said. Yep, said Tick, all done. And then on to the next planet. Yep, and then on to the next. Makes you think, doesn't it? Albie said. How so? All this shit, all this shit meant something to somebody once. That's what I'm saying. Junk silver. Junk silver tick, agreed Albie. Too right. We do tend to leave a lot of detritus in our collective wake, even in cyberspace. Seriously, dear listener, it's time to consider what sort of world 
virtual or otherwise, we'll be leaving behind for Keith Richards. Our main story for the week is The Wind-Catching Wizard by Danny Adams, originally published in the anthology Mythic 2. Danny Adams is the co-author with the late Philip Jose Farmer of the short science fiction novel The City Beyond Play. His shorter work has appeared in Abyss and Apex, Asimov's, Idiomancer, Mythic Delirium and many others. He lives in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, where he is a librarian at Ferrum College and a reviewer of science fiction and fantasy books for Publishers Weekly. The story is read for us by Graham Dunlop. Graham is a software solution architect and voice actor living in Melbourne, Australia. He is the co-editor of the fantasy podcast Podcastle and was host of the YA podcast Cast of Wonders before that. You can find him on Google+, and he occasionally tweets as at Kibitza on Twitter. And now, The Wind-Catching Wizard by Danny Adams. Ogren nearly turned himself to stone to keep from recoiling in horror when the old wizard offered him a pouch of gold. The wizard chuckled at his bodyguard's reluctance. What's the matter, Sergeant Venn? You've earned it. Your men have earned it. This is your reward for good service. The warrior shifted as if straightening a sword stance. Ogren, sire, he corrected, though he had been in Getir's service for four years. Then was Getir's bodyguard generations before Ogren was born. Yes, so I said. My apologies if I was mumbling again. And sire, the warrior said even more quietly than usual, you have already paid us for this month. Getir's sag-wrinkled eyes blinked under his single white brow. He straightened the simple violet sleeping robe that he had taken to wearing throughout the course of every day. Don't be foolish, Ogren. I'm not losing my mind. I, I'm... He stared at the bag in his hand as if it were about to come alive and bite him. You misunderstand me. This is a bonus. If you'll pardon me, sire, Ogren said, you are already extraordinarily generous. My men, quite frankly, are hoping you live forever. Well, if not for yourself, then for your men. Spread it among them with my gratitude. Ogren recognized face-saving when he saw it and bowed deeply. He took the bag of coins, thumbnail-sized Vary, knowing he would be unsurprised if it did in fact bite him. Getir retreated into his study, looking as if he'd just learned about the death of an old friend. Perhaps he has, Ogren thought, staring at the now-closed study door. Getir is as close to his mind as I am to my muscle. I can't imagine being a withered old man dying immobile in my bed. Not that even my pelish tum should hope to live so long. But the wizards, even the oldest of the Imrati, who knows how long they truly live? The mind can't hold out forever any more than the body can. It wasn't the first time Getir was forgetful. But Ogren had considered it no more than that. He still had an incredible recall for the stories he loved telling, some tales centuries old that would have been long lost but for the sire wizard. Getir was always busy, distracted, partly the reason he'd hired the warriors to watch his back. His mind was just elsewhere. The word elsewhere chilled Ogrin's spine. He exited the keep as if the walls were closing in on him. 
Suddenly there was an acrid stench in the air he could no longer take. Not the smell of mortality, familiar for as long as he could remember, but the odour of age, a rare treasure in this world, a blessing Ogren often prayed to avoid. On the walls, Ogren thought he'd remembered paintings that changed as their landscapes did, along with ancient treasures of gold chests holding balls of light, or statues that changed what stone composed them at will. But now there was nothing but grey fractured walls in every corridor, emanating only enough light for Ogren to flee outside. He spent the rest of the day and much of the night in the courtyard, with sword in hand, ignoring the curious stares from his men, who knew better than to talk to him while his blade was swirling faster than even they could see. Ogren had initially thought the summons from the sire was a get-here four years before was a joke. Not that he doubted a wizard might summon him, since many had before. It came with the territory of being a Pelishtam. No, what surprised him was the offered salary. Kings and nobles paid their soldiers with bronze stowballs. Wizards, most wizards, paid in silver andry. Getir offered pouches of gold, usually vary, the highest grade gold in the world. One bag for Ogren to start, with three more to divide among his men, laid out in front of the long table of Getir's great hall. The sire wizard, eldest of the Emrati, themselves the oldest wizards in the world, crossed his arms and scowled fiercely, a look Ogren had often seen from wizards, except this one was sincere. Getir had no fear of Ogren's immunity. Pelishtam, Getir said thoughtfully, an old, old word meaning many different things to different peoples. What is your translation, Master Ogren? Ogren shrugged. It changes at need. Last year we called ourselves the Dragon Spears. After the Gel War a few months ago, we felt more like old hawks, so that's the answer today for anyone who asks. The Amrati scowled. I know you are magic immune, Getir continued, but is it true that the Pelishtam also make immune anyone you merely touch? It is true, Sire Wizard Getir, as long as we don't break contact. Sire will do. Very well, keep me alive and you will receive such pouches every month. He spoke in an unfamiliar rolling accent that Ogren discovered later was centuries extinct. Do you have a particular enemy in mind? Ogren asked. That was hard to imagine. Getir was notoriously the most benevolent and philanthropic wizard in the world. Now, the warrior reminded himself, but someone may be harbouring a grudge against him for a slight a hundred years gone. The wizard smiled thinly. I just wish to be around as long as I'm able. There are so many books left to read, stories left to tell. You and your men will defend me against any enemy who may try crossing my gate. Am I understood? Ogren bowed. You and the rest of your Pelishtam have a broad reputation for honesty, Master Warrior, Kitir continued. But I would have the oath of you and each of your men. That is the price for my gold. Any enemy. They all agreed, and Ogren could almost hear every other wizard in the world let out an unhappy rumble. Let them rumble, Ogren thought. If they wanted magic immune bodyguards, they should have offered us gold instead of silver. 
for all that, let them call us by our proper name, Pelashtam, instead of that stupid insult, unmortals, as if we weren't even human. For four years Gethir had been the best of masters. He always gave Ogren time to track down more Pelashtam, those born with the mysterious magic resistance, when reports of them surfaced. Not difficult, since those born with this immunity were usually objects of fear, no longer human, unmortal, and cast out of their homes. All of Ogren's men had come to the Palish town that way, usually happy to find a home. Just as importantly, he gave Ogren a free hand, and looked the other way when the Palishtam did something more uptight wizards would have slipped into angry convulsions over, though in truth they never spent their gold any differently than any other soldiers. Mostly ale and women, though some of them had an odd interest in tragic plays, just so long as they stayed fit and alert. Which was remarkably easy, all things considered. The lands outside the castle walls were troubled as sheer overcrowding put neighbours and allies on the verge of war with each other. But few dared attack the sire wizard. Easy, Ogren thought again. So as if directed by gods peeved by his complacency, the circumstances changed. Then Gethir was suddenly at Ogren's side, whispering, Any enemy, Master Warrior, remember your oath. Ogren ground his teeth. Even if that enemy, as witnessed on the main approach to the castle, included the king, half a dozen of the world's most powerful wizards, and a full legion marching behind them, wielding red standards, bearing a silver sword and shield in the centre of each. Maybe the extra pouch of gold really was a bonus. Gethir scanned the procession as calmly as if watching white wisps of summer clouds, one of his favourite pastimes. Prepare the defences, Master Ogryn. Forgive me for putting it this way, sire, the warrior said, but what have you done? Gethir jolted and looked away vaguely, and Ogryn had a terrible gnawing in his brain that maybe Gethir had gone out of his mind and done some great offence, perhaps even forgetting about it later. Finally the old wizard's eyes cleared, and he shook his head fiercely. Nothing! Nary a thing! Then they're not here for war, sire. Though such processions had only been heard of in legend, Ogren knew, the king's army had not travelled all the way from the capital with the red flags for wine and venison. But they might be open to a parley. I'll speak with the king myself, if his majesty will speak with me. Gethir's face fell into that grieving expression again. Do what you think is best, Master Warrior. I trust your judgment. The wizard flicked his hand and disappeared in a puff of brown smoke. As always, leaving Gethir's castle made Ogryn feel utterly exposed, an infant among wolves. Ogryn was hardly helpless, and was less helpless than most. The castle's power was just that all-enveloping. Not as usual. Ogryn turned back to study it. The sharp spires of the front emerged first from the brown stone of Mount Zerubal, the highest peak in the world, and said to be the oldest, and the deepest stretching down to the core of the planet. Legends said that no weathering could erode it, no magic could crack it, and in fact if the mountain fell the world would follow. Other portions took turns showing themselves to the sun. Today Ogren could see the wing built during the old Oranda dynasty, 
a time of rounded gargantuan stones, tiny windows, and a rippled ceiling that resembled wind waves on beach sand. Incongruously, the bulk of Gethir's castle was inside the mountain. When Ogren asked about this once, Gethir simply said that he did not construct the castle inside the mountain those centuries gone. The mountain invited itself to grow around Gethir's castle. King Dachira was indeed willing to speak with Ogren, as were the wizards, though they looked at him askance and cautiously. No surprise, and something Ogren was long used to, since even their most powerful spells would roll off him like a spent man off a red woman. He inwardly snorted. He could still be stabbed as much as the next man, if not as easily. Sire, said one of the wizards, the unmortal has arrived. Palashtam, Ogren corrected, without a hint of rancor. The wizard, a gaunt ascetic Ogren recognized as Molokai of the Var, snorted. And what is your translation of Palestem this month, dare I ask? The ghost eagles, Master Molokai. More eagle than ghost, if you are wondering. Sit, Master Ogren, the king himself offered in the royal tent. His clothes were neither regal nor battle-ready, but loose-fitting hunting garb, brown slacks and boots with a similar tunic beneath a dark green vest. His hair was unbound and just barely wisped at his shoulders. His mouth quirked down in frustration but not anger, not yet. Would you care for wine and venison? Nothing for me, Majesty, he said, glancing around. As he suspected, the heads of the six most powerful wizarding houses were here, each themselves watching Ogren closely. Five were frowning. The one smile came from Finlay, their youngest at something less than one hundred years old, who rose through the ranks quickly in the single nation where wizards were democratically elected. Nothing except, Ogren continued, if you would, an answer to your presence at my sire's gates. Detchira characteristically shrugged off Ogren's directness. Kings came and went, but wizards usually remained. This one was more aware than most that his reign existed on the wizards' good graces, particularly the sire wizards. It was also Detchira's way, and a relief to Ogren, that he never dallied with small talk. We fear that Sire Wizard Gethir is becoming senile. Can you confirm this observation, Master Ogren? My liege, speaking anything to such a subject would be a betrayal of my master's confidences. Detchira knitted his brow, and leaned back in the simple cushioned wooden chair he used as a travel throne. I will be blunt, Master Warrior. If Gethir is losing his faculties, he poses a great danger to us all, including himself. If what you say is true, Majesty, then what do you propose to do about it? If there is a spell to reverse such an ailment, I would happily offer what assistance you require. There is no spell, the king said. Not even a binding spell? Whose binding spell could restrain the oldest and most powerful Imradi in the world? He must die, said Taleg the Elemental, the oldest wizard in the world, second only to get here. Ogren placed his hand on the hilt of his sword. The king raised a single brow. Please hear us out, Finlay cut in. Reluctantly, Ogren's hand moved back to his side. This is known by every wizard from the time they become an apprentice, Taleg said. Great power also comes with great personal risk, 
and this risk includes death should you no longer be capable of controlling your power. Do you know the Yakika Desert, Master Ogrin? Ogrin nodded once. As a prisoner of war, he had, unlike most of his comrades, survived a forced march through Yakika. A surreal experience, survived not just through willpower, but occupying his mind with something other than the endless dunes, absorbing every detail of the ruins of ancient homes and other buildings, wondering about each life once lived inside, who would build lives in such a forbidding place. Yakika was once a tropical land filled with green and water, until the Grand Wizard Strapato in his dodderage broke a cup of tea on the floor and shouted a curse. What is now the wasteland of Moravan had a population of over 100,000, until the wizardess of the lakes, Shiket, lost her senses after falling and breaking her hip. This is no trivial thing we must do, said Sophia, head of the House of Wind, gathering her flowing silver robe about her. Normally a wizard will take his own life in a specific ritual suicide, but Gettier made it clear at the last conclave that he would never take such an action. He has forced us to carry this terrible burden ourselves. And you must see, Ogren told him, that my men and I have sworn an oath to protect the sire wizard against any enemy. There were tears in Finlay's eyes. We do this because he is our friend, Master Warrior. He has become my friend as well, Wizard of the Stories. You have no concept of what he means to us, Taylor shouted. Do you even know what a sire wizard is, Ogren? He or she is the wizard who is trusted with teaching the generations of wizards who follow. There is not a wizard alive today who is not get his student. When we are taken from our parents so young, we never remember them. Get here was more than our master. He was our father. Then find a cure, Ogren snapped. There is no cure. You'll find my men and I do not give up as easily as you. I needn't remind any of you that we are Pelishtam. Finally, King Dechira spoke again. We are aware, Master Ogren. You can appreciate the risk, I imagine, of me bringing a full legion and the wizards here when we are on the verge of war, for that matter when our own kingdom is overcrowded and on the cusp of civil war. They could be needed elsewhere at any time, and our absence at a crucial moment in the proper place could be devastating. He let out a long exhale. I know you also appreciate that you are only twenty-one against five thousand of my men and the six wizards. The sire wizard would also stand with us. This is a sad enough day. We are already bound to lose one great treasure when Gethir dies. Do not let your deaths be the loss of another. Ogren faced him squarely. If we break our oaths to get here, Your Majesty, then how could you ever trust us again? Our honour would be ruined. Not a one of us would prefer to live under this shame. Dachira stared at the Master Warrior for several heartbeats, then tugged at his beard. Do what you must, he said, as if giving a royal command. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ogren found his master sitting at the far edge of the library, behind a massive stack of books as big as the Great Hall's fireplace. His chin rested in hands atop bony arms that now looked barely able to support the weight of his own head. Ogren couldn't remember the last time he had seen Getter's arms uncovered by robes. They looked as fragile as fallen twigs in the middle of an endless drought. And his eyes were elsewhere. They told you, didn't they, Getter said, that I'm going crazy. I've spoken with my men, sire. We're still bound to our oaths. They're right, Teled and the others of my brethren. I should have killed myself as soon as I realized. But I cannot. I'm a coward. Suicide is the coward's means. Ogryn cut him off more vehemently than he meant to. If I were to lose my strength, sire, or my legs, or... The courage comes in the enduring. Gettier looked to the ceiling, then ran to a window. You won't take me, he shouted. I'll die before I let you kill me. It is one thing to hear a tale, a legend bordering on myth, on the consequences of letting a feeble-minded Imradi's power wreak havoc. It is another thing to see a place like Yakiki, the results of such magical chaos unleashed. But it was still another, Ogren realized too late, to see it happen right before you, or beneath you. When Getir wailed, the entire mountain shook. That mountain said to go to the core of the world that no amount of years of weathering could erode. It broke into small cracks that became fissures, that became gaps, no doubt smashing pieces of Getir's own castle within. The rumbling also threatened to shatter Ogren's ears until it abruptly went away, taking all sound with it. Ogren found himself strangely light-headed, and when he walked to the wizard's side, the slightest step nearly sent him sailing into the ceiling. The eldest of the Emradi himself was frozen, with a glaze over his eyes, so Ogryn chanced to look outside, holding the window sill tightly so no stray breeze could carry him out and over. And there was nothing below him. Nothing at all. The castle was suspended over a black pit that robbed sound and light from everything around it, save here and get his own castle itself, apparently. The mountain had fallen into the earth, 
and darkness crept up from below, eating at the edges of the hole, gradually wearing it away. Fortunately, the king's encampment had not been swallowed. Yet. But the hole was growing, and King Dechira and the others were scrambling to pack up everything that could be saved. Sire, Ogren said quietly, touching the ancient man's arm. There was a crackling of light arcing between Ogren's fingers and Gethir's flesh, but as always, Ogren himself felt nothing. My dear Ogren, Gethir's tone of voice was oddly wistful, unfamiliar. I never really wanted to be a wizard. I should have been a storyteller. Magic is useful, but stories... I tried once, you know, when I was twenty. I ran away from my master. But my master was very persuasive. I never tried barding again, but nor did I ever forget. If you had left wizarding, sire, you would have died a long, long time ago. Ah, but telling a good story, master warrior, is like catching the very wind. The old man's face drooped. You cannot be much more than forty years old, am I correct? I am one thousand two hundred years old. Perhaps that plus ten. This is antiquarian even for my kind. Your life is so short and difficult you have every reason to wish for life. I have no excuse. Life needs no excuse, Ogren told him. And if I tell you to kill me? What if I declare that I have become my own enemy and I must die? The answer isn't that simple, sire. If I order it, you are bound to your oath. Or if I go mad, you may be forced to defend yourself. Ogren had no reply. Gettir was right on both counts. Ogren glanced out the window at the expanding hole. At least the encampment seemed to have moved a safe distance away. Finally the warrior asked, What are your orders now, sire? To leave me to my books for the afternoon. So many stories I'll never have time to read them all now, certainly not before the siege begins, in whatever form the siege ends up crafting for itself. Ogren stood erect while Gethir mumbled about another great siege in the past, the castle with the tall wizard Androthene, and how much that siege was like this one, right down to the mouldings of stone vines that wrapped around the drawbridges Gethir had in this castle. Ogren stopped short and wheeled around. Sire, if I may ask... Would you have any quarrel with me inviting the wizard Finlay to dinner tonight? Finlay? Oh, I should think not. He's always such a nice, polite boy. He waved his hand in what Ogren thought was a dismissive gesture, but there was a thunderbolt outside, and when Ogren looked outside again, a long, taper-thin stone staircase descended from the castle across the chasm to meet the other side. If we have to kill him, Finlay said, it will mean a wizard war. There hasn't been such a thing in over six hundred years. Then there'll be no way to avoid sparking a larger war of things such as they are. We may be facing a dark new age, Master Warrior. The youngish wizard was walking side by side in Gethir's gardens, hands ringing behind his back, with Ogren, who held his arms akimbo. For a moment they were silent during which time Finlay seemed more interested in the flowers than the crisis. I don't pretend to understand how magic works, Ogren said. I don't pretend to know how immunity works either, he didn't say. He was already ten years old in his earliest memory, waking up in a devastated village, already immune to magic. 
nor had he ever found a clue about where he came from or how he'd spent his childhood. He shook off the memories for the larger task. But I've seen magic craft great wonders. Miracles, even my men have said, as cynical as they are. I do not understand why you cannot cure my sire's infirmity. Everything has a season, Master Warrior. Gitter is simply gone beyond his. It happens. No magic can change that. He stared at Ogren darkly, just as many things are cut down before their own season has come. Ogren couldn't help but think of the ruined homes buried in the Akika Desert again. The images hadn't quite left his mind yet. And the Moravan Wastes. No, it was certainly not unknown for even entire lands to be cut down before their natural seasons were ended. Who was he to deny the wizards their ancient traditions? Or for that matter risk hundreds or thousands of lives if Getter loosed his powers in madness? Perhaps Getter himself even knew he was slipping four years ago when he hired the Pelishtan. Ogren had never pushed for a reason. He'd simply worked and trained as always and enjoyed his gold at the end of each month. What does the suicide ritual entail? Ogwin asked. Now Finlay stared at him as if sizing him up. The lacer, a voluntary final release of a wizard's power from the body supervised by other wizards to make sure the release is gradual and not destructive. I'm told, I've heard from those who attended the last words of these wizards, that it's akin to a great stone being lifted from your shoulders that you never realized you carried until it was off. So, the power builds within them over time rather than being channeled from another source. Correct. At Getty's age, his power is great indeed. What becomes of this power? Nothing. That is the point. And this kills the wizard. It isn't quite that simple. The loss of power in itself is not fatal. The magic slows aging but does not sustain the body in itself. But the wizards who have surrendered it thus surrendered all else. They had never known anything else. Without it they owned no more wish to live. Would you care to live deprived of your limbs and your sight and hearing and touch? Ogren shook his head slowly, but his mind was drifting back towards Gethe's library. What would you say to me, Wizard of the Stories, if I gave you and the other Master Wizards permission to come into the castle and perform the ritual and prevent the wars at the same time on two certain conditions? I should demand to know what the conditions are, officially. Personally, you've piqued my curiosity. Ogren explained his idea, and Finlay was a long time in responding. At length, Ogren asked, Will the others agree to this? If I can convince them it will work, and it will have to be me, though they still consider me a whelp, if you approach them, they will believe that your loyalty to get here is setting them up for a trick. Pulling out his power while he retains control is dangerous. They may still not listen. They won't if they assume get here is as greedy as they are. Before Finlay could protest, Ogren added, I am still willing to fight them. At least wait until after dinner. But if your plan works... A miracle, Ogren said, meaning it. In the meantime, I'll prepare my spells in case we can catch Gethir's heart as securely as you say. 
the nothingness below the castle was still growing. Luckily for Ogryn, though, so was his master's staircase. You have betrayed your oath, Gertir whispered, though his voice lacked anger as he gazed around at the heads of the great houses, then let his eyes fall limp on his bodyguard. For the first time Ogryn realised what people meant when they said they would have rather someone they cared about screamed at them than gone silent. Impossible, sire, Ogryn said. I brought the wizards with me to testify to the truth of our plan. If you are willing. If not, they will leave. And then attack my castle, Gethir said. But, Finlay replied, we will leave first. Will you hear us out, master? The sire wizard smiled thinly. You did always ask politely, Finlay. In the end, Gethir did agree on the condition that Ogryn be allowed to stay, which had been one of Ogryn's conditions, if not an outright necessity anyway. And so it went, with the six wizards surrounding Gethir's bed. Not the Lasser, but something altogether different, wholly new, untried and untested, as graceful as a hurricane, as colourful as a volcano, as quiet as a lion. Ogryn felt the power like ice pellets against his face until his cheeks were hard and numb and his eyes clouded, and Finlay had warned him each second was only a drop to Gethir's ocean. Finlay was the closest to Gethir and charged with the gravest task of all, despite his youth. Instead of dispersing the magic as a normal lasser would, he channeled it by use of his story spells, weaving tales that wove castings which he then gave to the wizards, who formed an oval human chain, with each wizard accepting a particular task. Taylade the Elemental dispersed the great energy towards its dual destinations while the others prepared the way. They rebuilt Mount Zerubal first. Its memory still so recent, the air itself remembered how to piece it back together, along with the castle and the surrounding land that had fallen away into Nevernus. Then Sophia called the winds to clear away the layers of waste from Moravan, and the tops of the dunes from Yakika, while the others... Ogren wasn't certain what all of the others were up to, and he had little inclination to ask. And Ogren himself, standing by in case the magic erupted out of control, he would touch anyone at risk, thus making them immune. He already knew, he morbidly admitted to himself, that he would save Finlay first if more than two of the wizards were endangered at once. At last, as suddenly as a storm transforming into a cloudless blue sky, it was done. Quickly, Finlay whispered to Ogryn, who was already taking Finlay's bedside seat as the Wizard of Stories abandoned it. Gethir's eyes were smoky glass, and Ogryn felt as if he were watching Gethir's mind and soul departing like snowfall, melting silently before touching the earth. It is all gone, Gethir muttered. Ogryn lifted the old wizard's head in his hands. Sire, tell me about Yakika before it was a desert. The white brow trembled. Yakika? When it was a fertile prairie. Tell me the oldest, farthest story you remember. Ogryn was vaguely aware of Pancher, the star-bearing wizard, hovering over them, literally, but paid little mind to anything but Gethir's eyes, which now moistened with tears his body found an effort to produce. I am no longer a wizard, 
Ogren, he said. But you are a storyteller, Gitter, with the longest memory in the world. Ogren felt Panchir's magic lift and carry them away, like riding a swing hanging from the creation tree at the centre of the world. Sunlight beamed down on them, and wind stirred the golden grasses engulfing them, and the ruins of stone houses and shops uninhabited for centuries, sandblasted by dunes that rolled for centuries, until halted a few hours before. Whose magic is this? Getir asked. Yours, sire, Taylade said. Sire, Finlay cut in, that square building over there, built of green stone, with the windows shaped like oak trees. Who crafted such a thing, I wonder? Getir's eyes lit up. Ah, that piece of work belonged to the over-magistrate Arnhem. He was quite a petty little man, really, but he had a delicious mind for architecture. In fact, I was the one who suggested to him the shape of the windows, and I first laid eyes upon that house the day after the cornerstone was laid, which was the same afternoon the Lady Maggie True sang her first poem in this very town's wildfire inn. As he spoke, Finlay cupped one hand toward the old man, gathering the story as he would grains of sand. Then his other arm outstretched, and the hand opened, sending those grains sailing into the wind. While Ogren watched, the sandblasted stones of the ancient inn lost their wear, and filled out to round fullness again. The roof reconstructed itself as Getty remembered it. Glass panes in the windows formed from the sand below the once gaping holes. At last a fire sprung up in the hearth, and flowers blossomed along the front of the southern side of the structure. A memory turned story, turned seed for the reblooming of a dead land, whose death would not be forgotten, but soon would no longer be visible. The Chira himself has been asked to write the treaty, Finlay told Ogren the following evening, mediated by the heads of the wizarding houses. Within a few months both Yakika and Moravan will be fertile enough to settle and farm, with the treaty allowing citizens of any land to live in those places. Our overcrowding should be a thing of the past. At least for another century or so, but I'll give the matter some thought. Will you and your men be staying with the sire wizard, Ogren? Of course my men and I are staying on, Ogren snapped, feeling testy for a reason he couldn't quite pin down. Our oath to get here remains, magic or no magic. An army of bards is hardly a rock-wall military force, even if they do surround him at all hours of the day. Your voice carries a tatter of jealousy, Master Warrior. Why is that? Why should I be... He was cut off by a warning bell clanging in the back of his mind that any denial would be a lie. It seems odd, Master Finlay, that the world has come to get his doorstep again after so many years, that his stories are told to far more ears than yours alone. It's not as if he's abandoned you, Master Ogren. In fact, I'll bet you'll still be closer to him than any of us, for whatever time Gethir has left. Though you'll have to share him with me from time to time while I draw memories out of him, particularly as his mind fails more. Ogren grunted, not quite capable of affirming or denying Finlay's guess. It went deeper than that, though. Ogren had not a single clue as to who his parents were or what sort of childhood he'd known. Getir, with his stories and his paternal eye over Ogren and the other Pelishtam, 
and his greater interest in Ogren for things beyond military skill, made the old ex-wizard the only father figure Ogren had ever known. You realise we're in your debt, Finlay eventually gently interrupted Ogren's thoughts. What payment would you ask of us? We have plenty of gold to go around. Not gold, at least not for me, the warrior told him. I want you to draw memories out of me, Master Wizard. There are a great many pieces missing from my life, and I would have you fill them in for me. Tonight, then, after Get Here retires? Not tonight. Perhaps not even this season. But you'll hear my call. Before Get Here leaves us, he thought. For once, I would enjoy telling him a story. Having waited his whole life, Ogren thought it wouldn't hurt him to wait a little longer. But more than that, an innate voice within the shadows of his brain told him that great stories awaited unveiling. Ogren wanted to make perfectly certain he was ready when it came time to catch the wind. Anyone who's ever had to watch someone close to them go into a decline can relate to Danny's story, regardless of its setting. Such a complex tale at its core, sombre but with the hint of a happy ending. And now something a little different. This is Tony C. Smith, host of Starship Sova, and well, I guess you call us as well the boss of District of Wonders. And I thought I would get on to Farfetch Fables, just to you know, wish us all you know a great and happy new year for 2016. A big, big thank you to Nicola, Gary, and Mark for producing one of the best fantasy podcasts out there. By a long shot, do you know what I mean? You listen to it and you kind of listen to, you know, others that are kind of in there, that scope, and it's just staggering what they've done, what they've achieved. So thank you so much to them. But it was also to kind of reach out to, you know, our listeners in Farfetch Fables, and just to kind of, you know, I'm going to be doing this, you know, a number of times throughout the year, just to come round the pews with me can, rattling it to ask for donations to kind of keep, you know, Farfetch Fables up and running and keep, you know, the tales and the starships over. We have got, uh, you probably know now, but we have got a Patreon page and this is the kind of, I'm not saying anything nasty is going to happen to Farfetch Fables, but we've got to have sometimes a reality check when we kind of just kind of keep on, you know, doing it for free without the kind of help and support. Farfetch Fables is growing, and it's growing at a bit of a staggering rate, to be quite honest, and it needs kind of funding, do you know what I mean? It, 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 it has to, to kind of survive, and like you say, we've got a Patreon page, it's all there, come over and help with This is, you know, a plea from everyone who kind of, you know, is involved with Farfetch Fables, help her out and look after her, you know, make sure Farfetch Fables is going right through the year, and, you know, many more years in the future, you know, it's you can come on to Patreon. It's next to nothing to kind of put a little bid on there, and not a bid, but a little token of appreciation and a monthly donation. And it really would make a difference. Do you know what I mean? It's as simple as that. Keeps this show going, and that's what we all want. So, like I say, I'll be doing this a few times, you know, throughout the year, just to kind of give you a little nudge and make sure that, you know, you're doing your best to help the shows out. So, until then, listen, thank you so much. You know, and people who've already, you know, are on Patreon, Farfetch Fables, 
What can I say? Do you know what I mean? Big hugs. Thank you so much. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but don't change it and don't sell it. Be sure to give credit where credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will be fed to the women in our backyard. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We at the District want to hear your thoughts, and so do the authors and narrators that we feature. So take a chance, log on, and leave us a little something. We will definitely appreciate it. As always, dear listeners, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you all next week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.